Recording. Why do I have Echo? You have Echo? A little bit. What kind of Echo? I just hear myself chipping in how about, and out. How about the rest of you? I don't hear anything. This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Lenovo. See more at Lenovo.com. Well, a belated uh, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is finally episode 403. Ryan is hiding in an undisclosed location, probably shaking his head at what we have just done to his poor show. And as for the rest of us, I'm Jeremy Elstrom. I'm Josh Walrus. I'm Alan Malventano, like the guy behind the curtain in Wizard of Oz. And I'm Sebastian Peake. And... This is what we're going to make of this week on the PC Perspective Podcast. If you're on our mailing list, you've probably been sitting here very quietly and happily waiting for 45 minutes for us to start off. Or if you're one of our audio listeners that's watching us or listening to us the next day, you, you got to miss the whole kerfuffle that we had that it's fixed now. We are all good. But if you've got any feedback and, and you want to make fun of uh, people that might or might not have been involved in the problems... You can reach us at PC per spec, or sorry, podcast at pcper.com. And uh, by now, most of you probably know our Twitter feeds. So you feel free to do whatever it is that you would like. On the other hand, if you didn't, you can subscribe to the podcast PC uh, mailing list, which you just saw Al put up there, where we will send you one reminder a week and not beg for your credit cards. That's probably not the email that you should answer, but if you do, Definitely forward it on to the rest of us just so that we can uh, verify it. And other than that, it's week something of our... How long have we been on Patreon now? Uh, it's been a while. When did you get back from CES? Because that was about what it was. Uh, yeah, that would have been like uh, January-ish, right? So it's... Uh, we're working to try and bring you the best technology news that you can without turning into complete and total shills like the commenters might have you believe that we are and so we've started this patreon page there's there's goals that we're trying to reach which will reward all of our viewers and listeners but at the same time as you pledge there are certain little rewards that you can pick up up to and including a chance to access our show notes and the pre pre-show which is even more gripping than the pre-show that you didn't get to watch today. Especially so, this week. Yes. So if you want to see more of this or, you know, don't want us to slowly increase the delay it takes before we get the show started, consider giving us a, a little bit of your money on the Patreon page. It's just a couple of pennies a month, whatever you'd like to give us. And if you do it during the show, Ryan technically has to at least read them out loud to whoever he is around. Generally, that would be the stream, but in this case, hopefully it's someone really embarrassing. Make sure you pick a very good username. But since we are a little bit late starting into this, I would like to zip right along into our reviews and give Sebastian a chance to show off his wonderful photography as he talks to you about the Fractal Design Define Nano S Mini ITX. Look at that photography. That is my actual living room. Look at it. Yeah. So the Define S was a case that I reviewed, I think it was a year ago, and it's, it was a really simple 
very like wide open case. They they lost all of the storage, like the optical storage from the front. So you open it up and you've got just this huge empty area and storage and everything was behind the uh, rear panel. And with the Define Nano S, it's literally just a mini ITX version of that same case. And the only thing I'm really missing here is I should have done a comparison shot with the two. I can add that. But essentially, this is just a, a smaller version. It's it's really the size of a mini ITX case. Or, uh, I'm sorry, a micro ATX case. But because of this, you have a little bit more room for cooling. You have you have plenty of clearance on the top and in the front for those 240 millimeter radiators. And room for full-length graphics cards, ATX power supplies. And if you like the understated appearance, this is for you. One thing I'll point out, since we're scrolling by, this is one of the few cases I've seen that actually lets you take the air filter out from the front. Ryan would be so happy. Yes. That's very nice. I feel like this was inspired by Ryan. Probably. You know, it's to do it, they have the air filter run the length of the bottom of it, and you can pull it out from the front. So that's nice. Yeah, and, and it's a good thing you can pull it out because with the filter, with the intake being at the very bottom, you're guaranteed to yeah. get all of the dust. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Mostly it's going to be from the PSU drawing it in, but you'll certainly get it in there. And this is a fully insulated case, too, just like the Define, the Nano, or the Define S was. The Nano has the lining. It's like a cloth-like dense lining on the inside of the front panel uh, and the side panel. It's like dynamite. Yeah. And it does, it does uh, reduce noise. Uh, the, the only drawback to this is that you might get a little bit of added uh, heat buildup inside. You have a trade-off between a little bit of uh, noise reduction versus temperatures with like the top vents, which are removable. You can remove uh, all three of them or just a couple of them, depending on what you're doing with the top um, fan intakes. I didn't use them. Uh, for noise testing, I like to keep the case as close to out of the box as I can. So I just use a 120-millimeter radiator in the back. But you have a lot of options. For storage, you can mount a couple of hard drives in the back, uh, SSDs, uh, behind the motherboard tray. Then you have another hard drive mount on the floor of the case. But I really, really like the layout if you're looking at the back of the case because you've got those nice Velcro ties and there is a depression. It's kind of hard to see from the head-on shop. There's a nice concave area that helps you push some of your thicker cable mess, especially from the power supply flat against the back of the case and then tie it down so you don't have to worry about the, the side panel bulging. Yeah, cool. The first picture on the next page actually shows that um, because the motherboard is installed down in the sort of depression. And so off to the side of that is where the hard drives would be on the back side of the motherboard yeah. tray. That's interesting. And it just kind of maximizes space. I mean, this is a little bit wider for a mini ITX case. That the benefit of that is that you have room for bigger tower air coolers if you wanted to go that route, and it gives you a lot of clearance for cable routing behind the motherboard tray. So if you look through the review, you'll see pictures, different uh, fitting options, the radiator on top and in the front, um, hard drive and SSD mounting options. And then I just ran it through the standard 
test suite that I've come up with where I use an air cooler and a liquid cooler and I run all the benchmarks uh, on the CPU and GPU with both options and you can kind of see how the airflow changes when you go from air to liquid because there's a lot less air moving around with the liquid cooler at least uh, around the GPU which which does make a big difference in every one of the small cases I've done the air cooler on a CPU especially one that blows down like the low profile air coolers actually help generate a little bit of uh cool air against the back of the GPU, which helps. They usually run a few degrees cooler that way. But the results with this case were good. They were some of the best that I've done with the small case with the uh, liquid cooler by far. Uh, and this kind of following in the, the footsteps of the original uh, Define S, where it was very quiet and had good cooling performance. And this one kind of follows suit um, the only possible negative was going to be, just as with the Fantex, uh, the uh, Mini ITX Fantex and through that I did recently, these cases, if you use a full, full ATX power supply, it's really close to the GPU. This one wasn't quite as close. And it only covers like one half of the GPU. And what so, graphics card do you use again? That is a XFX R9-290X Double Dissipation Edition. Ah. So it's a two-fan... Um, custom cooler. And it looked like it was... Which is a fair size. What, yeah. what was it getting close to in one of those other pictures? Because there's more of a gap there. Yeah, it, when I put the radiator on the front fan mounts, oh, I had a okay. Corsair, the, the H100i, with the fans. Uh, that was getting really close to the edge of my graphics card. This one's a little bit longer. The, the cooler extends like a half inch, three quarters of an inch past the PCB. So it's a fairly long card. But there was still room for it with a rad on the front. Uh, there's a little bit of a gap, I'd say about a quarter inch or so, between the bottom of this particular dual slot GPU and the top of the ATX power supply. It was enough for airflow. It won't be an issue at all with blower-style coolers. And with this one, I didn't think it was an issue because one half of the card's completely open to air, and the other half of it at least had room to breathe. Um, temps were not... Uh, bad and they were uh, I didn't have any like extra fan speed or noise to contend with so but after you reviewed it issue. did you put it in a uh, an industrial hydraulic press and make a video unfortunately no how about how about uh, glowing nickel metal balls <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this but no you haven't okay. watched those two YouTube channels there Sebastian no I don't even know what you're talking about there's two YouTube channels one's dedicated to the first thing he said and the other one's dedicated to the second the thing channels not just videos Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And occasionally they crush a molten metal ball. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. uh the, the really impressive one is when whenever they try to crush a billiard ball because those things just just explode. They just yeah, they yeah, they explode. Is this like the right. will it blend stuff? It, it kind of? Yeah. Okay. Except it takes it to another level. But anyway, what what are your closing Closing uh, thoughts are and I honestly didn't know how much this cost when I started doing yeah, the review cuz these cases sit around, and I finally get to them, and I crack them open, and I start the review. So I looked it up on Amazon. I looked it up on Newegg, and this is a $69 case. So the full-size Define uh, S is like an $89 or $99 case, and this thing is $69, bucks full price. So uh, because of the build quality, which is extremely high, the good performance, and the fact that 
it's only 69 bucks to give it the editor's choice. It's, it's a very, very good case for this kind of money. Mini ITX is a little bit more expensive, of course, because the motherboards tend to be more. It's a little bit more of a specialty thing, but this is a really good foundation for a Mini ITX build with full-size components and a lot of cooling options. So I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, and with the with the way that like m- like modern systems tend to kind of set power, I doubt that power supply is going to be throwing out a lot of heat into the intake of the GPU, into the one half of the side, you know, because that's what that other fan, the fan on the uh, power supply would be pointing up, right? Down. Well, do you have an option? Can you flip it? No, I wouldn't, because oh. the air intake for the PSU is on the bottom uh, of the case. Yeah, so it's not going to blow any hot air into the case. No, it's it's going to suck gonna radiate hot, uh, some air cool air from the gonna... bottom, and it's going to exhaust it out the back. So unless it's oh, radiating okay. off the top of the PSU, it's not really going to be an issue. The issue yeah, is yeah, going to yeah. be clearance for airflow, but I didn't... It, it's definitely warmer to run my GPU inside of this or any other mini ITX case I've tested so far than it is to run it inside of a full ATX case. Yeah. But we're talking a few degrees. It's still way under... Like, this GPU at load is always under 80C, like ambient temps uh, I take out of that so you get the deltas. But delta with this thing, with the air cooler, if I look at my chart here, was 60 degrees. So it was running under 80 in the room. I think the room was like 18C. So not bad. I mean, if you can run a GPU at load, and I run multiple runs of uh, Unigen Valley 1.0 to get the to get consistent speeds. I wait until it kind of tops out. And it was topping out under 80 in this case. So that's not bad at all. Before we get too comfortable talking about the uh, case, we should probably find out what Al does when he's sitting on his couch. Uh, Yeah, we could do that. Uh, So is this this Couch Master Revision 2? It kind of is. We were surprisingly impressed with this thing, actually. Uh, it was good enough that I wrote the article about it on it. Because you're right-handed. Um, what? Never mind. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Corsair Lapdog is the name of the thing. And um, basically, it is like kind of Couchmaster version 2, except you don't have the huge pads like that were... Like, Ryan reviewed the Couchmaster. It was basically these couple of huge pads pads that you kind of stuck on either side of you so your couch had to be relatively flat to, for those you know kind of blocks of foam to kind of sit properly and then you put basically a table on top of that and the table had like a usb hub built in and stuff like that um this one relies on your actual lap it's a thing that sits on your lap complete with a foam pad on the bottom that's kind of has like a um, it's just shaped in such a way where it just would naturally kind of rest on your lap um and it's the, the cool thing about this is where the couch master was kind of like a one size fits all just put your keyboard and your mouse on it kind of thing this is much more designed to fit specific keyboards so that they look seamless um when you have this thing all put together with corsair either k70 or k65 um whichever type you want rgb or not rgb or or whatnot um you can put either one of those keyboard models in there, and it really does look like it was just meant to be. 
it, you have the same anodized brushed aluminum kind of finish on the top plate and the bottom plate that kind of surrounds the keyboard. Um, even on the, the four corners of the mouse pad there, same kind of deal. Um, there is a plate that comes pre-installed on it. You can kind of see it there. But if I go a little bit to the next one right here, um, that plate comes pre-installed in case you do have a K65 and you don't have a number pad. Uh, so then you still have brushed anodized aluminum to match everything else, um, you know, just to take up the extra space. Um, if you're going to get something like this, it's 120 bucks. I would imagine a person that's going to put a keyboard and a high-end mouse in this thing is probably going to have the uh, K70-style keyboard, I would guess. So you just take one screw off, and then that plate just pops out, and you just kind of like, I don't know, you just have to store it somewhere. Probably never going to use it. Um, you, don't have an, you don't have to have any tools, because there's a Allen key driver that thing that's kind of like built into the uh, plastic top portion oh, of, nice. of the pad yeah there's just a little indentation in it holds that holds that uh driver right there um the pad uh there are six magnets on the bottom of the lapdog itself and then there's i guess six kind of metal plates installed into the mating surface on the, the pad so if you want you can use the pad or not like you can just kind of like pull it off the bottom sticks pretty good i think they're neodymium magnets It'd be um, good for storing lobsters as well. Uh, sure. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you, you don't have to use the pad. You can just sit that, you know, main plastic lapdog housing. Or you can just set that on your coffee table if you want to sit on the floor or something like that, maybe. Um, it's up to you. There's a USB 3 hub built in. Uh, it kind of sits just below where the mouse pad is, which you can pull the mouse pad off as well when you're doing the install. Um so you basically got a four-port USB hub built in, powered. Um, the two internal ports are for your keyboard and your mouse, obviously, and then you have two more. You know, you can put a jump drive in there. If you have a USB gaming headset or something, you can plug it in right there. You don't have to worry about running the cord all the way to your um, living room PC, right? Um, and the cord, if I switch to... Actually, you can even tell there. Uh, the cord is like a built-in, like, mated USB plus power. So there is a power brick that plugs in like on the other end where the PC would be. Uh, and it just runs the power and the USB 3 from your system out a 16-foot cord that goes to the back of the lapdog itself. Um, so it's, you know, you don't have a bunch of cords kind of floating around. You just have a single run running to this thing. And then you can kind of fan out with that hub to whatever else you want to have hooked up. Um it is still kind of a cumbersome thing because, you know, it's still corded. Um, a lot of people prefer wireless, but if you want something like this and you want to do Twitch gaming, you need low latency. Most of the wireless, like Bluetooth-style things, are not low latency. Um, and you can't really have, like, lit-up keyboards and mice and stuff like that because those require power. And, I mean, I guess that might be the next step. You could make something like this with a wireless USB kind of like low latency setup if, if it was available and you could put some kind of battery pack in the thing but now you're trying to mess with charging and you know it just kind of spirals out of control um, yeah, that'll be the void series uh sure could be um but as it is i mean it looks like you know something usable it's it's up to you if you're okay with that cord running down your living room while you have the thing on your lap but if you're into gaming enough to where you want to sit on your couch and do like first person shooter twitch stuff stuff where you actually want a full keyboard and a mouse right in front of you as opposed to a game controller 
then you're probably okay with that one cord, I would guess. Um, but like I said, 120 bucks. Uh, they also sell it bundled with various keyboards on the Corsair site. Um, if you look at it there, um, they have like, you know, K65, K70s. Uh, I'm not sure they include mice in the packages, but, you know, there's so many different mice, it probably would spiral out of control on the, the possibilities there. Um, yeah, and that's about it. We put a video up on this one uh, recently, which I think Ryan added to the article. Yes. Corsair on your lap. Dog. Mm. Terrible. Yeah. I don't know. Sweet. Is this video safe for work? Um, should be safe for work. Okay. I guess. Why you got something what? over your lap while you're sitting on the couch? Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, but, that should increase the wife acceptance factor. Yes. Uh, but speaking of things that don't go on your lap. Yeah. Uh, Lee has just put out uh, another review, uh, this time of the Corsair SF Series 600 watt power supply. Now, the SF Series has two key factors going for it. One is that they're small form factor. That, if you scroll down, you can see it next to a full-sized ATX PSU, and as you notice, it is significantly smaller. But, it, as they say, size is not everything. The other thing is that that cute little 92 uh, centimeter fan doesn't kick on until the PSU's over 50% load or so. It's designed to be incredibly quiet, so you're looking at small form factor PCs, which are sitting somewhere you just don't want them making noise. Now, the one nice thing about Corsair's ones so far is that they have been incredibly efficient, uh, 80 plus gold at the very least, nice flat style cables, and a seven year warranty. Glad to say that Corsair did not skimp out on that on this model at all. It is incredibly solid. Uh, it's got a single 12-volt rail design, which we prefer for a variety of reasons. And this one is quite happy of providing its entire load at 50 amps on that 12-volt rail. Lee went through, uh, and when he tortures PSUs, he tortures PSUs. And this one passed... Everything with flying colors. He gave it a gold award. Uh, he couldn't upset it. The only problem is the pricing, because of the way that it's designed and the small form factor and just the, the, the sheer quality of the components that go into it, you're looking at 90 bucks for the 450 watt model, and the one that he reviewed, the uh, 600 watt, is 120. It's a little bit more expensive than comparable PSUs. It's not ridiculously more expensive when you're just talking about the SFX PSUs. If you're talking about a regular full ATX, then please don't pay $120 for a 600 watt PSU. I was gonna say that's pretty comparable to uh, like for full modular and SFX. The Silverstone yeah. that I had, kind of the go-to for a while, was the Silverstone 10ish. Yeah, it was I think a hundred on sale when I bought it, but like 110, 120, and I think you can find them for eighty nine now. But so to get four fifty for around ninety bucks and it comes with those modular ribbon style cables is about where SFX has been for gold certified. It's quite it's decent not, uh, for that case that you were just building in. Oh yeah. Especially um I know you can easily get SFX to ATX adapters. Some of them come with the adapter in the box. 
but it gives you a lot more flexibility in those small cases for sure. All right, so this uh, one by two, I guess that means it has a pair of six plus two pin PCIe power connectors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the small ones sure, only not have necessarily one. as long as you're used to, but right, four right. millimeters is not ridiculous. Well, you're probably going to be putting it in a pretty small case, I would imagine. Actually, yeah. Sebastian, would this is there a different backplate that would let you put this into that fractal case? That's what I was just at? saying. Uh, you can get the backplates. Um, Okay, One so of you, the cases I reviewed came with the backplate. Uh, some of the PSUs, I think, do. Uh, I don't see it with okay, this that one. one might not. So I'm not sure if it comes with this one. But There's definitely, because they're standardized, you could get an ATX to SFX plate and just use it. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're doing a small form factor system, and, I mean, 600 watts should be enough for, at least for, like, a 1080. And, Especially now, yeah, yeah. With, with things going down to 14, 16 nanometer. I did a post recently on a different SFX power supply, and they're up to 800 watts now. With, I believe that one was titanium certified. And it's just, at that point, you don't even, I mean, you could run a dual GPU system at 800, 850 watts. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, SFX, you're probably going to be using it with a mini ITX uh, board. So you're pretty much using a single GPU, but still. Huh. All right. Uh, what do we got next? Uh, well, I'll, I'll start this out, but I'm sure that there's a couple of other people that uh, might have some comments. And I will even start it out backwards by saying that the fact that three-way and four-way SLI is not going to be a thing for Pascal gamers didn't surprise me. What surprised me was NVIDIA saying, oh, no, there'll be this enthusiast key you can download to unlock the mode and that just struck me as okay that's just weird like you said behind the scenes it wasn't going to be a thing now you're sort of backpedaling and today Ryan found out that yes this is not a thing for gamers in SLI yep it's more of a backpedal even so yeah we're going to be enthusiastic. you want to benchmark yeah you can benchmark with it yep it'll so uh, so, yeah, good news, no more enthusiast key. Bad news, uh, you can only do three- and four-way for the purposes of, uh, like, 3D mark and stuff, I guess. Yeah. Like, for benchmarks. Or if you want to be utterly insane, the DX12 games where the developers have actually programmed it to grab different GPUs over the PCIe bus, it will work. Ryan tried it with Ashes of Singularity, and it seems to work, but... Buying an extra two thousand plus dollars worth of GPU for those couple of times, but, but look at the Luxmark scores. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, no, yeah. benchmarking. Yeah. Luxmark was right, but you know, yeah. I honestly, the idea of a key, I instantly thought of Intel years ago, where they had a key <laughs> to unlock one processor into another, unlock parts of your processor that you bought already yeah right yeah and that's just, oh yeah i was just like no this is a terrible idea i'm glad they backtracked on that but was that it, thing was that thing like cracked almost immediately or something i, uh, I want to yeah. say it was it was but yeah it's just like I, the, that's not something you want to dip your toe in yeah the, the, <laughs> the benefits obviously it's a significantly diminishing returns past sli and then from three to four is even less. 
but it's well, it's been a thing for a long time. It was very driver dependent, right? Like the amount of programming that goes into making that actually work versus the t- fraction of a percentage of people that actually do this. Yeah, I mean, it might be more possible with DirectX 12 stuff, but again, the game has to be programmed to be able to support it. I mean, it's possible that somebody's particular game engine might just naturally be able to scale three and four GPUs, and maybe that could take advantage of it. But yeah, they're they're yeah. trying to optimize their time in development, and there's just no reason to program that for people who buy three and four cards, which is yeah, it's it's less than half a percent of all GPUs out there. So why spend hundreds of developing hours uh, in drivers and and applications to do that? And they just don't see the trade-off. And I think that's perfectly fine. Yep. Uh, a buddy of mine built like his own personal system as a three-way SLI system back in like 780 TIs or something. And uh, I mean, he couldn't stand it. Like he would just have these random issues and stuff with it. He was like constantly, you know, random games just weren't doing the right thing and it was just a pain in the butt. And that's back when it was supported. So, yeah. It's, you know, probably just better to go with a two-way SLI at most. And honestly, with a 1080, it's a lot of use cases for just having one and not needing the second one. Uh, Given the performance so far, especially since there might be a 1080 Ti later, right? Even higher performance. Here's what you do. You get three 1080s. You run two of them in SLI, and then you use the third one for a physics card. <laughs> oh, that's a really good idea. I mean, oh. that's uh, that's so inexpensive for $2,100 <laughs> worth of cards. But anybody looking in your side panel window sees the three GPUs. You're like, oh, yeah, they're all three running right now. They're running this game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman's cape is running on number three down there. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Mm. Or mm. in Scott's case, you can be running Blender on that 1080. Scott needs three video cards just to support the plethora of monitors surrounding him. Yeah. But uh, don't feel too bad about only having two-way SLI because you can get some sexy bridges. Sexy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can totally do that. Bridges from EVGA. At least these look pretty nice as compared to their ACX3, which I think just kind of looks goofy. But these I like. Are Are these things actually shipping? Like if you click the link below those, because uh, that's actually NVIDIA's SLI connector on that picture, oh, right? Not, oh. not yeah. uh, EVGAs. I got EVGAs oh. in a different post. Somewhere. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Actually, yeah. the EVGA. EVGAs are a little bit. I don't know. I I don't know if they're cooler looking they're or different up. looking. Okay, so uh, they look like this. Oh, those aren't too bad. Yeah. And um, they are a like darker anodized aluminum version of this. I don't feel special. Jacob sent those pictures to them too. Jeez. So this is, uh, you know, I think it's an LED. Yeah. Four-way. Yeah. It's the old school. Does it support 1080 megahertz transfer speeds? A 1080? (laughs) No. For the audio listeners, Alan just held up something that looks like an unfinished model kit for a DeLorean. No, it's, I, I think they're trying to match their new style, you know, design on their new cards. Because I'm pretty sure the EVGA logo lights up on this uh, on this bridge, but it looks kind of, it's like they're going for like a transformer kind of look or something. Hey, it wouldn't be 2016 without LED lighting adorning everything. 
Um, Bay explosions on it too. All right, so I'm looking for availability. I'm guessing soon. Yeah. Um, they will be sold separately. Yes, of course. It's almost it's like better. they're. It's almost like they're downplaying even the. Uh, you know. Even the. SLI in general, or something. Although, if as long as you're not doing surround or have higher than I think um, 144 hertz, 25 by 16, um, you can actually get away with the old bridge. I'm pretty sure. Even just a single ribbon, I think, carries enough bandwidth to be able to do, you know, up to that resolution. Um, yeah, and I think that also, I think it also supports 4K 60, but just a single display. It's when you start going crazy with your displays or your resolution or your um, refresh rate that potentially you run out of bandwidth for the old bridge and you want the newer one. Um, but I I think those are that how the limits actually work right now. Even if you look at that chart that Tap put up when, when he was doing the uh, when he was doing his presentation here, I think you can deduce that from there. All right, what do we got next? I don't know. Oh, you're not uh, scrolling down. Oh, I got a. Oh, I I missed the thing. I missed the thing. All right. But M- on MSI, to the next thing anyways. Yeah, MSI GTX uh, 270s. Yeah. 1070s. 70s. Look at all those puppies. Yep. Did they really? They have a Founders forward? Edition. We've seen that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that red one. Oh, the gamer. That's yeah. the gamer. You, know, you can it's... find that on Amazon for pre-order for a thousand dollars and eighty cents. No, ten eighty. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, that one's good. Uh, it goes like its boost clock at overclock is 1807, but it's got a silent mode on it where it drops it back down to 1500 and in theory will be silent. It's good for your sort of multi-purpose and colorful gamer. Uh, the 1070 Aero comes in two different flavors. One is just the, the base cooler, which I cannot remember the name of their fancy cooler for it at the moment. Twin Frozer. Uh, yes, thank you. The Twin Frozer. It's, they look, of course, exactly the same. One is overclocked. One, obviously, is not. It's, it's not Twin Frozer because it only has one fan. No, no, it's got to be. Yeah, it's a different name that I wrote somewhere and can't spot immediately for the life of me. But the, the nifty one is the last one, which is the Seahawk X, which comes with a built-in radiator. Sort of looks like an AMD card in a little way, but where is that guy? You know, you'd think that right. one would have a higher base boost clock speed, since it and has it little... doesn't. Yeah, it matches the gaming. And it probably does. It still also just have a single eight pin. I'm trying to see if that's in the chart. Yeah, I think it all is. Wait, yeah, yeah, no, they, no, the six so, pin and eight for the uh, yeah. for the uh, gaming six pin six yeah. pin and eight for the one with the silent mode. That's yeah. interesting. <laughs> it just turns for, that six pin off. For um, maximum so, uh, flexibility. So we haven't seen firsthand like what that extra six pin gets you as far as um you know, like when, when we were playing around with overclocking on the initial like ten eighty founders, you can crank the fan up all the way and don't worry, you know, not even get close to the thermal thing being an issue if you're willing to have like a hairdryer going next to you. But um we were basically just cranking everything up, and then when you do that, it rides the power limit. So, you know, you kind of need more juice 
Yeah, um, extra so, spin will give you a 75 watts. It will, but will the card use it is the thing. Like, That's will, you know, will NVIDIA even allow it to go higher than X amount of watts additional going straight to the GPU, like, without frying it? Is no there one. an official number on the, um, what is the power limit? Like, is it 120%? Is it 110%? I think it depends on the software and the card. Because yeah. I've heard anywhere from 120 down to 109. That would hmm. be interesting. If you could go 120% on a 1070 and overclock it to, you know, 2 gigahertz and still have good temps, that might be the card. Yeah, you, I think you can still go to 120, but the problem is it's 120 of a lower number. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's, yeah. All right. What's well, next a, up is your obsession. Uh, Why is that my obsession? You're the one who's told us all about this game. Um, no, no, no. We got the 1080 fanfic. Yeah, next. we're not we're not there yet. We're oh, not there wait, yet. are we not there yet? I no, skipped no, one. No. Don't get ahead of me. Oh, the Mirror's Edge thingy. Uh, Mirror's Edge did that cause that problem? Well, it's there's a new driver out. Yeah. And uh, NVIDIA on the forums had posted, you know, yes, we've been able to recreate this uh, fan revving issue with the 1080s, Founders Edition cards. And so they then updated that with a sticky on the post and said that, yes, it, this fix is actually going to be coming in software. It's going to be in the next driver release. So when the Mirror's Edge driver came out, there's your 1080 fan revving fix, according to NVIDIA. Okay. Uh, I saw a driver... And an extra half gig of memory. I saw a driver come out, like, today or something. Maybe that thing came out, or it's... I know they just came out with a driver uh, a couple of days ago, or no. maybe yesterday. It's like yesterday. Yeah, I think it's yesterday. Yeah. So that was this fix, supposedly? Yeah, and I haven't... I don't have a 1080, and I haven't investigated reports to see if the issue is gone, but apparently the cards were going from, like, 2,000 to 3,000 RPMs, back and forth, up and down, and this will smooth that out. Oh, so it was just, a, like, a bi-stable issue yeah i my my guess is to having edited fan profiles several times myself you have these situations where there's a step like it it goes straight from 1000 to 2000 to 3000 and you might go from 49 degrees to 50 and it jumps and then when it jumps it cools it so then it goes down to you know a thousand rpms again and then the card heats up a little bit more and it jumps to the next step again so i always smooth my fan profile out so it's a nice I start 20% at 20 degrees Celsius and just move it straight up to 100 at 100. So I never I never hear those steps. It's kind of like a gear shift. So that's just my guess. I'm wild postulating here, but... Yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right, so uh, next up is this... Uh, oh. Your puzzle game. Wit.nes, huh? I saw you guys talk about this in the chat earlier, but uh, actually, I haven't even fired this thing up in a few weeks. I've been all you need is an NES now. Well, yeah. Is it actually like so? It's an NES coded game to run an NES emulator. That's witness. Uh, yep. That's <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty crazy. Uh, so just like the top town version is there a video with this link I don't see a video surely surely there's a video stop calling me surely uh, 
No, I don't I don't see video. Hmm. I'd really like to know what this looks like other than the the 8-bit style screenshots on the right side there. Although those those are pretty epic though. I like how when the when the thing is enabled it's like that's pretty awesome actually. What is that? Oh, I recognize that part of the game. That's pretty funny. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It's totally 2D-ish. But that's pretty cool. Huh. Is this like a free download? Uh, I guess. I mean, I don't think he did... Did he do the... I don't know if he did the whole game. Because he's, he's calling it a demo. Oh, okay. Um, oh, you, you have to. So uh, get JNAS, download this, check it out. So it's 32 puzzles and 16 full screens of maps. And an overhead world with four-way scrolling. Wow. Four-way scrolling four in an NES scrolling. game. Dude, that's that's, that's something else. That's actually that's actually difficult to do in NES. <laughs> so all directions. All the directions. You can get all the directions. Alright. Uh well enough of that silliness. I might have to okay. check that out though. Uh, but I mean if if you're gonna run it on a laptop, you'd want what? Like like a, a, a GP one oh four graphics card in that laptop that was running this NES emulation, right? Really? Oh yeah. Um, Have you ever tried to emulate an NES game, Alan? It is taxing. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Uh, especially if you want your emulator to like simulate the uh the, the Trinitron aperture grid on your uh, mm-hmm. on your display and you need all those uh you know high end three D filters and stuff going on. Huh. And if you get the puzzle wrong, it'll be punished by a blast of heat to your lap. So, what is this full-blown 980? Not 980M? What is it? It's... Or wait, GP104. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's Pascal. So it's the first one we've seen in a while. Oh. But is it an M version or is it the desktop version? That's the good question. Oh, okay. So we don't know. And they, they think say that it's uh, gonna be they're separate. actually not going to have a separate uh, MSKU. Well, sort of MSKU. I mean, they're going to be using the same ties. They're just going to probably clock it down and, and uh, do some adjustments with uh, voltage and whatnot to uh, to get those regular GP104s to work in a mobile environment without breaking the bank when it comes to TDPs and power draw. Well, given how much flexibility they have, like with the overclocking tuner thing and adjusting, you know, voltages and uh, frequencies and everything i would imagine that yeah they just kind of scoot everything down you know see what you can get out of it on the lower end and um it'd probably work just fine i mean if you have and you don't have to worry about an msq yeah yeah i mean if you have that much granularity then you don't really uh you know you don't need a separate skew makes sense just think of this thing running at one gigahertz is going to just outstrip any other mobile chip out there and uh, probably run at 50 to 75 watt TDPs, which for <laughs> gaming laptops is acceptable. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to do that thing where in the gaming machines, like, you know how they always overdo the, the, the VRAM? Like, so <laughs> these are already like 8 gig. So what are they going to do? 16 do like 16 gig. gigs. 16 gigs of DDR2. <laughs> DDR2, <laughs> yeah. The Alienware 11X with 32 gigabytes of GDDR5X. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, how much system RAM does it have? 16 gig. 
What's the screen resolution? 1600 by 900. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I could totally see that being a thing. All righty. Uh, well, that's you up next. Uh, that's me up next. Uh, I gotta open up. The, I gotta open the link and the thing with the thing. Come First on, Link. Neutron XT1. You can, you can do it. Is open it XT1 or XTI? Uh, XTI. From, oh, is it XTI? From, yeah, I believe it's I... XTI. Uh, Isn't that a trim package for a Volkswagen? Uh, no, S- STI is a Subaru. Thing. Oh, okay. Wait, isn't STI? No, I'm wrong. That's that, so it's no. STD. Uh, no, oh, okay. No. Uh, okay, so the deal with this is they're trying to up. Oh, that's the one prop I forgot to grab when uh, everything went kaboom earlier. Quick, um, grab it now and see if it breaks again. No, I will not get up from this chair. You stay put, Alan. I will stay right here. Um, so what they're going for is the 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 big tagline I've seen in this release was they wanted. Uh, more performance consistency compared to the prior Neutron XT. I think it was just XT. Um, yeah, which we looked at a couple of years back, actually, a year and a half ago. Is it using the same controller? Uh, it is a newer version, I believe. Um, I looked at this earlier, but I have forgotten. And uh, actually, I do need to update... Uh, Need to update Scott's article because uh, just a little bit ago, before the podcast, Corsair actually sent us another note saying that they're also going to have a two terabyte version. Um, so you will have two forty four eighty nine sixty and two terabyte. And uh, I've already reached out to him because we're probably going to look at it because we just happened to have you know developed testing recently that specifically looks at performance consistency with a fine tooth comb. So um, nice. I, I I have uh, liberated the old Neutron XT that was, I think, in some external USB thing and, like, all banged up from usage all around the office. So I'm going to... The one with the half-worn-off label? Yeah, actually, it's the one with the half-worn-off label. I, I don't... I, we were still trying to figure out what the heck wore that label so badly. Um, but anyway, uh, so we've got that Friction. one. Yeah, yeah. But But with what? Uh, it's we not, won't say. It's not me. That's uh, a personal question. Not my friction. I, 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 my friction in testing SSDs goes on the inside. Let's just say, oh, not okay. the outside. Let's oh. just say I found that SSD in, in the bathroom, bathroom, and I, I just left it. Yeah, yeah, I just left it there. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so yeah, I mean, you know, it should be uh, more consistent in its performance. It should probably be a little bit faster overall. Um. I do know it's like a quad-core version of a SSD controller in there. Uh, newer version of the Fizon S10, I believe, that's a quad-core. I'm not sure if they're saying expanded cache. Maybe that's the only thing that uh, addresses the performance consistency thing? Because I thought the Fizon S10 was a quad-core the whole time. I would imagine they've made other tweaks to that S10 uh, in addition to just the expanded cache over like the past two years. since it's And this is still set a 6 gigabit, right? Yeah. So they're yeah. just kind of just tweaking and refining on the yeah, cause, I mean, already maxed out bus. You can still get more out of SATA 6 gigabit when it comes to random access and like performance yeah. consistency on random writes, uh, especially um, as evidence. Is it unrealistic that I want 500 megabytes per second on every single category when I run Crystal Dismark? Well, that's so, the thing. I mean, they're getting kind of close. You're not going to see it on QDepth 1, 
Um, because and the reason you don't see you you will never see it on key depth one maxing is because there's actually a turnaround time even for the benchmark to run. Like it issues the command, everything has to like line up through the kernel to get to the SSD. Then it does the you know does the I/O returns it back to the kernel, and then it has to go back all the way back through all those things that cause more latency with SATA than you get for NVMe PCIe, right? So what you're saying um, is that the operating system itself is yet another hurdle in my quest for the ultimate SSD experience. Uh, yeah, but that's have kind a, of have a operating system custom written for SSD performance. Well, that's on kind SATA of, six rather than oh. just going to M.2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. But can I run uh, like four M.2 drives in a RAID zero? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe I should look into that. Although there was only one laptop that we saw doing that so far, and I don't, there are no desktop like parts. The limit's three. For you know, I thought the MSI Vortex when I originally wrote my news post on it had four M.2 drives, and it actually had two. And I was really excited for a short time, but oh, is that was it? Just a I thought it was two, and then the model number of the drive. I think they called it the dual something or other, oh, or the two X. Okay. So the so the four the potential four drive thing was actually just like kind of an error. Yeah, it was okay. an error. Okay. And I feel the better press now. Release had it written that way, but yeah, it's, it only had two M.2 slots, I believe. I feel better now because I spent a good twenty minutes researching Z170 chipset internals, trying to figure yeah. out like. Okay, what variant of Z170 are they possibly putting on this that has enough? The one lanes? where Sebastian didn't do enough research well, and just oh. you know added something and didn't correct it before I published the article. Uh, this is me giving you a nuggie over the internet. Okay. All right. Um, okay, so good. I'm glad that was kind of cleared up. Um, but yeah, anytime QDepth one benches, like there's other stuff that has to wait. Anytime you go higher than QDepth one, you always have a couple of IOs. You know waiting in the wings so at least you know at least one of them is going to be serviced and then you know that little gap you get between the ios well if you have two going in parallel there's you know less of that gap that's noticeable right um so yeah qd1 there's always just going to kind of be like not perfect although samsung ssds specifically like 850 evo have like really really damn good um q depth one performance even uh, but it's still not going to saturate. It's not, you're not going to get like 500 meg per second QDF1. Um, it's all firmware optimizations, man. Get that turnaround going faster. It's yeah. software. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. for for random writes, you can get away with stuff like being serviced quicker because when you write to an SSD, it, it can worry about where to put the stuff after it's acknowledged it from the OS. But when it comes to reads, it actually has to look up you know, in the flash translation layer, it has to look up, okay, where on the flash is that stuff? It actually has to do like a database lookup internally, find the stuff, read it from the flash, and turn around and give it to the to the OS. All that stuff has to happen before the I.O. is done. So, like, read I.O.s are always going to take longer than, like, write I.O.s generally if the SSD is behaving. Um, anyway, that's a rabbit hole. Uh, Moving along, Jeremy. Really bizarre? Do what? Well, we, we probably the most bizarre thing to come out of uh, Computex this year was the old backpack computer. Yes. No. Yes. No. Well, Go it ahead. was one of one of the strangest things. Yeah. Uh, and I think okay. we've spotted the motherboard that's going to be in that. Holy crap. 
So speaking of, of full size GTX 1070s. In yeah, you know, the, these low power mobile GTX 1070s, well, guess what's on the left hand side of that? You know, the output ports on that does kind of make it look like a laptop. Well, I guess not. Well, maybe, yeah. Mm, I don't yeah, know. It, it does. Could be, but. That's pretty beefy for a laptop because those are multiple height USBs and stuff like that. Yeah, and stuff at the middle of the backplate is usually pretty verboten. On laptops? Yeah, but that's what, MSATA? Or is that M.2 in the, the middle? That's MSATA. Uh, that looks, yeah. yeah, that looks like MSATA. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So it could well be a laptop uh, motherboard, but it also could be this crazy backpack VR computer. Oh, uh, yeah. What are the, the, one of the reports for that said be. it was destined for a internet cafe machine but that doesn't seem doesn't make a lot of sense to me because why would you need it to be so self-contained if it was a pc and, well it may end up there but you won't only end up there right i i look at this and just see console written all over it like it could be a backpack pc but think about you know we've heard rumors about the playstation 4k version the 4.5 yeah and think about what you could do with a 1070 versus um what they have currently, which are greater than APU level graphics, but not quite full size like discrete level graphics. No, it's well, it's essentially the power connector what? is also very weird. Three sixty, it's like R seven three sixty graphics or R seven or R nine three seventy. Anyway, huh? In uh, well, in 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 the P four. PlayStation 4, and the Xbox One. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving along. All right. Moving right along. Well, actually, yeah. you know, one last thing. The, the last time I saw a, a, a setup like that was when 3DFX tried to sell their Voodoo 3 as a motherboard compatible oh, God. graphics chip. <laughs> that, was, that was a unique board, to say the least. What CPU did it take? Was it like it was AMD K62 era or socket? No, it was it was a it was a socketed uh, socket three seventy. Okay, I name three. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. That was old. It is old. It's two thousand two thousand one. But yeah, right. moving along. If if you've got a tab A but you don't have a slot B, what do you do, Al? So yeah, okay. So uh, SSD seven fifty series has. This U dot actually SFF eighty six fifty three or something I forgot the number, uh, but that's the reason they renamed it to U dot two, uh, which is actually uh, this cable. So you've got that connector that goes into the SSD at one end, which is looks like a really funky SATA cable and power cable together, but it's actually like four lanes of PCIe and power and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and at the other end, you have uh, if you know what a mini SAS HD connector is, it's just kind of like this really blocky square looking thing. Uh, and you have to have either a HyperKit, which is an adapter that goes to M.2 that comes with Asus motherboards or some equivalent for your other manufacturer. You have to have that uh, to adapt the U.2 end to M.2 to actually get to your motherboard. Or if you have a recent motherboard that happens to have um, U.2 built in, you know, more power to you. But that's kind of rare. 
Intel was hoping this would not be so rare a year and a half after they launched the SSD 750. So they finally kind of capitulating and they are making this guy, which is, um, you know, U.2 at one end and it goes straight into an M.2 um, 2280 uh, PCB just to plug in, you know, to that spot on your board. So what they're going to do is add a new uh, SKU sometime within the coming couple of months, I guess. Um, they told me the pricing is going to be the same. Um, you know, it'll just be like another product and it'll just have the other cable um, coming with it. So you get to choose. But it's not on the market yet. I've been looking. Um, I asked them about it. They said it's coming soon. Um, so that's that thing. Uh, and then what's next? Uh, do you have the toy? Uh, <laughs> just Too for you. Ken's not there, so you can, you know, shock him. Just for you. So there's this thing that Intel's doing this backpack giveaway. Well, it was a backpack kind of thing. Ryan did a video on it. Uh, they're doing a giveaway at PAX Prime. They're going to have 12 system builders, um, build systems with 6950Xs, which are the super, you know, high expensive 10 core. $1,700. $1,700 Intel CPU. Uh, and SSD 750, which I think is funny. They're, they're probably including like the 400 gig SSD 750, which is probably like, you know, 400 bucks or something. It's like, you know, this this NVMe PCIe enterprise class SSD that's uh, you've been kind of like retuned for consumer uh, is, you know, a fifth the price of the of the CPU that they're giving away. I don't know. Um, maybe they did the 1.2 terabyte ones. I don't know. Anyway, um, so to promote that, they kind of gave reviewers and you, I guess some YouTubers and some other people this backpack full of goodies and the idea is that uh, they're going to like, I don't know, kind of rough it or something. I don't know. They're going to go out to PAX to watch the you know competition of these 12 top tier system builders did it build come it. with antibiotics um no it came with like a, a knife and like a flashlight and like this this lighter that's gonna be interesting packs that's actually like you know it does kind of cool things like yeah Causes bad, it causes microphones to do really bad things. It's basically a, a taser style lighter. I can't imagine what voltage it has to produce in order to get a full quarter inch arc like that so cleanly. This is a pretty cool lighter, though. You've, you've got ten fingers. Yeah, I am not. One. I am not. Ryan asked me earlier uh, before he left. He's like, "What happens if I stick my finger in there?" He didn't do it, thank goodness. But I'm you like, get a burn. he was like, "Will it catch it on fire? Will it shock no. me?" Will it no. do this? Will it do that? And I just answered yes. I just said yes to the choices. It probably does all of them at the same time. Um, anyway, so uh, keep an the eye out. Swiss Army knife of lighters. Uh, yeah, there was like one of those multi-tool knives in the box and stuff like that. Um, you know, it just it was like a PR company trying to make something snazzy. It was the same kind of deal as you know the the. Um, what was it? The gaming system one? What was the name of that thing? The Intel something gaming box, the really generic one um, that happened last time. And then a the time before that was that hexagonal shaped like cargo container, the thing that yes, popped out the top. Yes, it opened up. Um, 
yeah, so it's just like another one of those things, but this time, you know, yeah, with profit margins like Intel has, you can do some things. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, give, really giving away 12 systems that have just the CPU alone worth 1700 bucks at PAX is, you know, pretty cool thing. So yeah, that's, it, that's it probably why they, look. they probably laid, away, laid off all those people so they can afford, uh, yeah. you know, they can afford those uh, system giveaway stuff. Uh, speaking of giveaways, but we're not done with NVIDIA's giveaways. NVIDIA's giving away a hundred grand, so come on. That's a lot more than 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 that. Are they really giving away a hundred grand worth of stuff? Uh, that's uh, what they say. Let's look at that. All right. Uh, message. Go get on the twitters and message NVIDIA with uh, the hashtag Gamer Ready. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. cannot win during E3. So there's five chances to win. Yeah, so they're doing it during the keynotes. So you tweet those things during the keynotes and you're entered, I guess. Right? And some rude words if I know our followers. Uh yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. But it's not too bad because there's fifty GTX ten eighties, which unfortunately you cannot S all SLI together, so just try and win one of them. Maybe two at tops. Uh, you might need a bigger bridge. <laughs> London said that a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, up to $3,500 Steam gift cards. And what they're referring to is an ultimate gaming PC battleship, which I really hope is in a certain case that was sort of shown off recently, which looks exactly like a ship and it's just amusing. Huh. I, it's, I, I bet you it's going to have a 1080 in it. Maybe two of them. Uh, yeah, probably. It might even have Intel's new processor in it. We don't know. But yeah, uh, if you're going to watch those keynotes anyways, get on the twatters and see if you can win yourself some stuff. And seeing as how we're the ones that told you about it, you know, you might want to think about shipping some Josh and Sebastian in my way. Alan Ryan, they've already got enough. Yeah, yeah. He probably got enough. All right, got ship. Just, just suggesting. Is that but we are just about there. Is that the end of uh, is that the end of all the the, the, the things? The, the things, yeah. Things we made it. Didn't did, like stuff didn't crash. I shouldn't I shouldn't even say the c word. Yeah, you don't say that sort of stuff. Not, Make a pick. Not even gonna say the c word. Well, I'm not first, my friend. Well, no, but you still don't have one. Uh, I I do have one. I just haven't typed it into into uh, the thing. Like the excuse. So I'm being, I on the uh, other hand I, did. I, I stuck it in <laughs> there. I stuck it in there so you can put the thing in the chat because I know you like to put the things in the chat. I try. It's it's fun while I'm talking. All right. Scene. So here you go. Jeremy. Yeah, I up. picked early because I beat Josh to this. Uh-oh. Good old games. Uh, we have talked about these guys before, and they're currently having a really good sale. But the reason you want to go over to good old games right now is because if you log into them while they're having the summer sale, you get a free copy of System Shock 2. And if you haven't heard us talking about System Shock 2, you haven't watched enough podcasts, go back to pcper.com slash podcast and watch the old ones or you're old enough that you've played it like Josh and I have and you realize that it's not going to be as pretty as it used to be but it's still going to be every bit as terrifying when the monkeys she flips that ship over and everything is upside down and you feel lucky mm-hmm. are these guys uh, are these guys the ones doing the thing where your steam sinks over and no. That is correct. 
Oh, that that is them. Okay. So yeah, you should visit them for additional reasons. And there is huge chunks of things at ridiculous discounts right now. Yeah, so uh, you know that you can get DRM-free versions of all the stuff that you bought in, on Steam and haven't played yet. Get free space, free space two from them. Yeah, can <laughs> original System Shock. Uh, also, doing uh, The that Witcher one. for it's significantly cheaper than you find it on Steam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All the things yeah, to look yeah. for. All right. But Al, you huh? have a pick. Uh, no, it's Josh next. Me? For some reason, I'm next on the list, but it's actually okay, Josh. Okay, well, Josh, tell us about you what know, we should I think there was for. something that we forgot to talk about or didn't put in. Uh, it looks like uh, AMD and Intel are uh, postponing their launches of their next mm. generation products with the uh, KB Lake and Zen, huh. respectively, until Q1 of 2017. So for those who just really need a CPU upgrade and they don't want to wait another nine months or whatever, finally the i7-6700Ks are at a point where you can buy one and uh, at, at MSRP, uh, 344 or something, if you keep your close-up watch out, you'll, you'll see them go down to 329 with specials. But uh, from what we know, KB Lake is uh, going to be a minimal upgrade at most. They are apparently adding four PCIe 3.0 lanes to the design. So big numbers there, buddy. Uh, yeah. So you don't need to hold off on upgrading if you really need to. Just, just do it. All right. Cool. Uh, let's see. Me next. I gotta find the tab. All right. Um, These guys are back. Uh, what? What's Radio about? Shack's back. Oh, Radio yeah. Shack. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I kind of like archival kind of stuff, and um, there is a place on the internet, RadioShackCatalogs.com, where if you want to happen to look at, say, the 1939 Radio Shack catalog. Uh, oh, I really need a much bigger version there. Uh, yeah, if you want to look at 1939's Radio Shack catalog, you can totally do that. Ooh. Oh, and this, this computer is... A glorious HD. This, this computer is not liking the touchscreen. All right, there we go. You can get... Infinite rejection circuit. Yeah, you can get the Holocrafter dual diversity receiver, Sebastian. How about that? Right there, buddy. Just imagine the audio quality of infinite adjacent channel rejection. So your left channel rejects the right channel. The right it's, channel rejects the left channel. It is it is For in, it audio is, bliss. It is infinite. There are two stages of RF amplification in each receiving section. There are twenty-five tubes. Infinite zero decibel output. Twenty-five tubes, my friend. My goodness. That's and that and that. What does someone do with twenty-five those, tubes? And, the, and those twenty-five tubes give Between you an audio. You the tubes. They give you an audio amplifier output of ten watts. <laughs> but, but what watts they are? Oh, but they were they are just amazing watts. And that well, thirty-nine in nineteen thirty-nine is three hundred bucks. Yeah, that's three hundred bucks. And somebody five hundred bucks. Quick, so, somebody do and the speaker whoa. cabinet is five hundred bucks. Quick, somebody do uh, that's like inflation. Like ten thousand bucks, easy. 
easy. <laughs> so, so what we're learning here is that, um, you know, that audio file stuff that's super expensive and, you know, although, although, although back then it probably actually did sound better. Like, I hate to say it, but the $10,000 thing probably did what? definitely sound better. And the Victriola? <laughs> yeah. Okay, what year was the uh, tube radio? Was the tube radio, like, invented? No, like, that one did that you were showing out? us. Oh, no, this is a 1939 catalog. 1939, okay. You need to use the old-timey radio uh, voice well, the, to announce the prices. The, Only $300. Well, the, the dual-diversity amp was 300 bucks, and the speaker cabinet was 500 bucks. Let's see. Amazing okay. friends, amazing family. 1939's $300. Yeah, yeah. Is worth, according to the inflation calculator, $5,163.91. For the 300 bucks. For the 300 bucks. So you'd spend five grand and you'd spend then like another eight or nine grand for yeah, the speaker 8, cabinet. Yeah, 8,606. And this is like, cab. this is like on page two of the 1939 Radio Shack catalog. Which was their first catalog. So, um... Do they have the 1990 Radio Shack catalog? Uh... And you can buy this entire page for $9.99. Uh, you want... $9.99? I mean, that's the one that I remember. All right. 1990. There's colors and computers and stuff on the front of that thing. Oh, and look at that speaker. And that... Look at that cell phone. Oh, where'd I go? I just went to order, like, a paste soldering station. Uh, oh, man, check out the phone. Wow. Oh, it's, it's thinking. Realistic. Yeah, I remember realistic. It's, it's, oh, it's, realistic. it's like, realistic it's, 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 it's like the first BlackBerry. No, oh, you see the, oh, look, look at those speakers right to the uh, left. They're yeah. the, the classic metal uh, body realistic speakers. That they rebranded like Optimum. <laughs> I've got a pair of those. They are acting as a rear surround for Op- Optimus. 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 Yes. Optimus speakers. Archer. That's oh, your Tandy computer. Archer is number one in sales of TV, FM, and CB antennas. All right. Interesting. Oh, and the prices cool. are way lower. On what, Oh, wait. That's credit. Oh, they took Discover back then. They show you your they show you your monthly payment for different balances on the credit card. There's something you don't see these days. Here's how much this thing's going to cost you. Now, you, they what, just the don't even the interest rates they're charging? Uh, uh no, just the minimum payment, I think. They're not even they're not they they were even then they were smart enough not to show you your interest interest rate uh that you were going to get. <laughs> Actually, I don't see an interest rate anywhere on there. <laughs> minimum monthly payment on balance is over 1000. Well, it's good because uh, too bad they didn't have those credit cards back in 1939, so you can actually buy those, um, buy those things. Then you'd have to like just walk into the bank and just get a signature loan for like ten thousand dollars because you could actually do that with like no credit checks because there weren't credit checks either. Bank guy. How just... well did you know the loan manager? Yeah, 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 yep. yeah. If you brought him uh, apple, sweet apple pie from from the misses. At home, yeah, to, to sweeten them up. Son, date my daughter. Sweeten them up, brother. So. You should bring Billy Joe down. Oh man! All right. Um, what Last do we but got? Not least, we got Sebastian. Yeah, Sebastiano. Okay, so if you're like me, you absolutely never like you. ever use the Windows install that came with your computer. So if you get a new laptop or desktop, 
I always blow it away and clean install. And since Windows 8, one of the few good things about Windows 8 when it came out, Microsoft came up with their own installation media site. And they have done this again with 10. I have the links for both that will be in the show notes because they're actually slightly different. But uh, the great thing about this is you pick your version. It creates a USB install drive for you. Just put in a, a drive in your computer to erase it. So be careful about which drive you're pointing it to. But when you're done, you have a bootable USB stick. And the great thing about it is as long as you are installing the same version that came with your system. So if it's a Windows 8 machine, get the Windows 8 one. If it's a Windows 10 machine, get the Windows 10 one. You don't have to enter any product keys because the product key is built into the motherboard firmware. On On an OEM system. On an OEM system. So say, like, I've done this with every one of the laptops I've had in the house recently. And it also works with desktops. I've done this with like Acer, Lenovo, Dell. It doesn't matter which one. If it's a Windows 8 or Windows 10 machine, you put this in, you boot it up. And as long as you're using the right version, it does not ask for a product key and it installs pre-activated. Uh, so, is that going to apply for Windows 10 after their cutoff? Or do you have to do it before the cutoff that's coming it should, up? It should be uh, after the cutoff because this is just their recovery disk image ISO file. It's a generic image but i mean if you i mean if you have like a windows 7 system or something oh yeah you won't be able to do this then right but if you do it now on a windows you just need your product key yeah like it it will it either might work just it might just work if it's built into the bios or something if it has a the cert oh no it will work oh well no because i I did the windows 10 upgrade it was the first and only install upgrade install i've done on purpose because it was the only choice you had since then they changed it so they actually gave me a Windows 10 product key. Now it's tied to my Windows 7 key. My Windows 7 key is no longer valid, but I could do a clean install with that new key that they gave me. And how did they, did you have to ask them for that key? Uh, yeah, kind of. Okay. It, it, um, it, I, I'm sure that I've linked to it in the past. Uh, I did a little quick news post on doing it, but it yeah. does work. So yeah, if you've got a clean Windows 10 install, this is going to back it up the proper way. You got to system restore disk. So what I've been doing around my place, like I have like a few old laptops just kind of like sitting on a shelf that were, you know, just came with windows on them. And, uh, I have blown all of them away, reverted, like restored their system image and then did like the windows 10 upgrade on them and just let it do it. Um, and then when that comes up in windows 10, it should activate that like piece of hardware under windows 10. Like it didn't ask me for anything. It just worked. Right. So once you, I, I think once you get to that point, then you can do a blow away, clean install Windows 10. And I think it's like the data is still safe. Yeah. Like Microsoft. Jeremy was saying, I think at that point you have registered your product key with Windows 10. Yeah. Yep. So then now you can Microsoft and Windows 10 and give you a way to find the key. Yeah. But like you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't need a key anymore, supposedly for one, like for Windows 10 after that point. Right. Like it should just work magically somehow without typing in a key. I think it depends um, on the age of the system. Yeah. And how many upgrades you've done. And yep, yep, yep. Whether you switch your video card five times a day. Um, or just use Ubuntu and you don't have to worry about product keys at all. Well, that's true. That's it's true. true. The thing will just work, yeah. Um, well, some of us like CentOS. An- another thing I do recommend for if you're going to use the Microsoft, like their download tool now button on the Windows 10 page, um, you can tell that tool to download an ISO. As opposed that's, to 
that's the link that I have. In yeah, my yeah, yeah. Pick. The download Windows 10 disk image ISO file link. Oh, it's a separate? Well, no. I think they... they have a page dedicated to this. You just pick the edition. So you can do single language, Windows 10, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so nice when you're imaging because you can get a Windows 10 ISO. But I thought they have replaced it so that you have to download the tool either way, even if you want to download the ISO. I think that has changed recently. It is a tool, and it actually has the same exact file name as the Windows 8.1 recovery tool. Right. So when I downloaded them both earlier, I got oh. one, and the other one was just a <laughs> copy of. But I opened them up, and they're different, because one opens up to a Windows 10 recovery environment, and the other one opens up to a Windows 8 recovery creation environment. Right, right, right. And you can use but, you can use just the tool to do the upgrade, or you, you can tell you it. You can, or you or actually, this specific one has only two options. One is to download an ISO, I believe, and the other one is to create a USB stick. Oh, cool. So it's like a dedicated utility just for creating recovery media. Yep. The uh, for those of you that have like M.2 NVMe stuff like that, um, I guess use caution because I have seen mixed results when you try to use that tool to make the USB installer or even the Microsoft Media Creation tool thing. Uh, you don't really get a choice or a say in the matter if you're going to do UEFI or MBR style booting. Um, and it has to be UEFI if you want to boot or install and boot from NVMe devices. Um, so what we did at the office is we downloaded the ISO, the ISO, and then I used Rufus to make the keys and Rufus, you can choose, you know, what kind of formatting and we put it on two different USB keys. So we just have two keys. One's labeled UEFI, one's labeled MBR for, for the old school stuff. Just kind of a handy note that might save your butts, um, out there. It does take up two USB keys, but it's kind of necessary. If you want to be able to, to go both ways. Anyway. Uh, is that all of the picks? It is all the right. end of this show. Oh. Which for me is not so bad because even with the delay, it's not obnoxiously late. But I have a feeling that for some other people. It is. It might be getting just a wee bit past their children's bedtime. Just a and little. Way past theirs. So... Without further ado, I think we should draw the 403rd podcast of the uh, PC Perspective podcast to an end before everything once again falls into blackness and you get to watch our splash screen for a long while. So if you want to ever watch some of the old episodes or if you gave up on us earlier today and are just finishing it right now, I thank you for visiting pcper.com slash podcast. You can follow all of us on Twitter, if you are that sort of strange individual that would want to follow Masticist. Ryan Trout, uh, PC Per, Jeremy Hellstrom, Josh D. Walrath. D. Walrath, yeah. I remember. Uh, Sebastian Peak. Yep. And Al. <laughs> oh, you're going. Just you're you're, Tano, you're totally you? throwing it off. You're just going. <laughs> you're you're, Tano, you're naming you? all the people. You're supposed yeah. to name all. <sighs> Yeah, this that's the twatters. They 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 follow you everywhere. All right, there there's the Josh, so, and there's the Sebastian, yeah, and then there's the me, and then the, yeah, there's the Jeremy. Yeah, but with that, and that was just the Twitter feeds because the final goodnight comes. So I, I'm a Jeremy Hellstrom, and I am Joshua Walrath. I'm Alan Malventano. I'm Sebastian Peak. <laughs>
And Howard and Cosell is not appearing episode. on this episode. We are very sorry. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Next up, Brillo Cream. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcper.